Well, hello, everybody. It's wonderful to have you with us. I pray wherever you are that you know that God is with you exactly in the place where you are. Well, we are going to talk about something today that's all about preparing ourselves for new beginnings. And in 2024, uh, we are at the beginning of a new year. But this applies to us at any time of the year. If you were to say to me, what is this ministry about and why do we exist? Well, what I would say to you is we exist to reach people who are disconnected from the church and bring them into an ever-deepening relationship with Jesus. When I talk about disconnected, what do I mean? I'm not talking about people who don't go, necessarily. I'm talking about people that many priests and bishops have said sit in churches, in churches all over the world, who come every week but don't know who Jesus is. They're disconnected. And it's those people that often are the ones who fall away. And so we want, to, we want to reach those people. So I want to come out and I want to tell you right at the very beginning what I'm going to talk about tonight and what I'm trying to achieve. Right? So, you know, they say when you give a good talk, you tell people what you're going to talk about. Then you tell them, uh, then you tell them and then at the end you tell them what you, what you said. So let's see if we can do that this evening. Now, now, now impactors... Impactors is the faith community of the ministry. Um, it, it's the faith community of the Catholic guy ministry. It's a group of people whose desire is to impact the world. And for some people, that is in front of groups and, and in media. For some people, it's to impact your husband, to impact your wife. And that's all it is. For some people, it's to impact your children. And you may not be able to say Jesus, but by your life being filled with Jesus, you come to that place of being able to have an impact. So what is my desire for impact? My desire is that impactors, which is the faith community of the Catholic guy, will consist of people who love the deserving and the undeserving. It, that it's a place who, it, that loves the acceptable and the unacceptable in society. It's a place who love the wealthy and the poor. It's a place who love the close to God and those who are far from God by pouring their life out in emotional, material and practical ways. Let me read it again. What I think we are. And if you're one of our hosts who is watching around the world or you're someone who watches through Impactors online, this is what we're doing online in all those countries around the world. Uh, the other day, my staff told me that Impactors Online, what you're watching here, will be seen in 60 countries, will be part of this in a little while. It's this, my desire is that Impactors, which is the faith community of the Catholic Guy Ministry, would consist of people who love the deserving and the undeserving, who love the acceptable and the unacceptable in society, who love the wealthy and the poor, who love the close to God and those who are far from God. How? By pouring their life out in emotional, material and practical ways. See, the first part of that, about what we're reaching the deserving and undeserving, loving the acceptable and unacceptable, about look, loving the wealthy and the poor, about loving the close to God and those who are far from God. Whenever you say that, the very first emotion that we have is we all go, oh, wow, isn't that good? And then when we get to that line at the end, by pouring their life out in emotional, material and practical ways, my experience is some people go, well, don't get carried away. That's, 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 maybe, uh, that's maybe a little too much. Now, we have a series of core values, values in our ministry, and a core value is something that we hold to be true for us. It may not be true for someone else, but it's true for us. 
And, and if you were to scratch us and talk to us about who we are, we would stop and we'd say, that's who we are. And one of our core values is that we value servant living. Servant living. And, and I want to talk about servanthood for a little bit. And, and the reason I want to talk about servanthood is because there's a number of keys in the kingdom of God that if you are to be successful, and if we are to have a successful 2024, there's some keys that if you can grasp, will bring success to you. It's a spiritual principle. The scriptures operate on what's called principles. And, and these principles come and are, gift, are listed alongside what are called promises. And the scriptures talk about a series of promises that if you do, I will. Promise. If you do, I will. When my children were young, and a couple of times I said to them, well, if you do that, I will. It's a promise, right? It's a promise. And, and, and one of the things that we see about the, the, our lives, if we want success, is that we have to step out of the world's way of doing things and we have to step into the kingdom of God. One day Jesus is on, at the Sermon of the Mount and he gets asked by a group of people, tell me how to pray. And as he, so he says, the Our Father, and, and we read in, in Matthew's Gospel, he said, pray this way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed means blessed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, that, that the kingdom that we're called into is very different than what we experience here. That there's another way. There's another way. And if we step into that other way, which is God's way, success comes for us. But if we remain in the way of the world, we're limited in what we achieve. We're limited. You meet people who say, I don't understand why I'm just not blessed more. In my life. Or things don't go right. And you then talk to them about their life. And immediately as a Christian, you go, well, of course it didn't go to work. There's no chance it could work. You're living according to this kingdom where God is saying, I want you to live this, this kingdom. The whole purpose of Jesus' coming was to establish a new way. And the new way, it says, leads to life. John 10.10, 10, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. The new way is going to lead us to life. And, and, and there's one principle that I want to look at today, this whole idea of servant living, servant living that leads to life. In us. And I'm going to read, I'm going to read to you from, from John's Gospel. And, and this is what happened at the Last Supper. And it's a scripture I've spoken on many times because what I find is the more I speak on something and the more I reflect on it, the more I pray on something, we know the Bible's not a Harry Potter novel. That once you've read it, you go, I've got it. That the, that the book lives and it keeps speaking. You can read one scripture today, read the same scripture again uh, the next day, and read it again uh, the, uh, another day. And it will have three different things that God will have spoken to you because it lives. It, 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 it breathes. It's not static. It's not dead words on a page. It's anointed. It's the spirit speaking. And if, and if you feel the pulse of the scriptures, if you feel the life of the scriptures, it invigorates you. And it invigorates you to power in your life. And, and, so, and so here we are. And it's the Last Supper. Now, the Last Supper was commemorating uh, this Last Supper. It was on the night of Passover. What was Passover? 
Remember when the people of Israel, uh, for 430 years in, in Egypt, they cry out to God. God says, I'm going to get you out. He sends Moses. There's 10 plagues. And the Passover was the 10th plague when, when the Pharaoh didn't let them go. But the 10th plague was the death of the firstborn of every child in, in Egypt. And it so rocked the, the Egyptians that they let the people go, the people of Israel go. And so it became a religious holiday, like Freedom Day, that they got, they got free from Egypt and they celebrated it every, every year. And so it was, a big, it was a big deal. It was a big deal. And so we read from John 13, verse 3, it says this, And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around them. And he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered, you do not know what I am doing, but later you will understand. And Peter said to him, you'll never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but my, also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, one, one has, who has to bathe, sorry, one who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though you are not all of you. For he knew who he was, who was to betray him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. See, if you look at this, Peter is interpreting this in one way. And Jesus is talking about kingdom, and Peter is talking about the world. Jesus is talking in a different way. Verse 12, and after he washed his, their feet and put on his robe and it returned to the table, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for that is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you then know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I want you to imagine the scene. Here are these men who've been with Jesus for three years. They've been present for all of the miracles, the big ones and the small ones. But any miracle is amazing. They've sat with him at night and had private meetings with him. They've listened to him tell stories that they've been captivated by him. They say to him, you have the words of everlasting life. Where would we go but you? They're completely captivated by him. Um, and, and, and they've heard the great sermons that he's done, that he's given in front of crowds. They've seen him when he's rattled the Pharisees and the scribes. They've seen him when he's looked at someone and it's been enough to set them free from bondage. And yet here they are, they're celebrating one of the great religious uh, feasts, or the Passover, and, and, and they're all together, and yet, and they're there to celebrate, and they've forgotten to do one thing that's part of Jewish culture, and that is to wash one another's feet. Now, feet washing in those days was important for two reasons. One, for just straight health reasons. 
A lot of the time they sat on the floor. There wasn't a lot of wood in that part of the world and where we have lots of pictures where it shows that they sat at tables and all that type of stuff. Scholars tell us they probably were sitting on the floor a lot of the time because there wasn't a lot of wood. Just look at the pictures that you see of Israel and the Middle East today. There wasn't a lot of wood. And, 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 and they also, for health reasons, they washed each other's feet. So one of it was comfort but also for health reasons, because they were in close proximity to each other, being out on dusty roads. Now, it was regarded as, as great hospitality and even being considerate when someone turned up to your house and you washed their feet. It was just as important as feeding a hungry person to wash their feet. Aren't you glad we don't live in that part of the world? Yeah? And, you know, to, so to not, do, to not wash someone's feet was seen to be, was seen to be discourteous. Um, it, it was even seen to be insulting if you didn't do it, right? So here are the 12 apostles and Jesus, and it seems to be a venue that wasn't one of theirs. It was like a hired venue. Remember, Jesus sent them off to get ready and prepare for the Passover, right? And, and, and I can imagine Jesus sitting there, you know, no one's done the customary greeting at the door, which you are when you go to someone's house. No, no one's thought to themselves, listen, I should do what Jesus did and I should be aware of these things and it's, 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 it's hospital to do. Um, you, can think Jesus, you can think that Jesus was thinking to himself, they've been with me all this time and, and didn't they listen? Didn't they see? Didn't they not just say what I said, but they do what I did? Um, you know, foot washing was a practice that they'd grown up with their whole life. It wasn't new to them. Um, uh, and, you know, and you can just think to yourself, uh, it wasn't done on that night. Was it because they were selfish? Was it because they were so self-centred or, or they were so observe, uh, absorbed with just their own needs, so worried about their world? Maybe they were thinking, I don't want to wash everybody else's feet, the other apostles' feet. That might make me lower than them. Maybe they thought to themselves, I don't want to wash uh, anyone else's feet because it means I'll need to move from where I am beside Jesus and I might lose my place and I might end up far, further away. And you can imagine Jesus being completely rightly exasperated and disappointed that they had failed to see. And so Jesus stands up, he takes out, of his, out a garment, he wraps a towel around him and, and you can imagine what the apostles, when they saw him doing that, you can imagine them all of a sudden going, uh-oh, I should have done that. Have you ever seen, because adults don't do this, but have you ever seen in your children's faces when all of a sudden you do something that they know they should have done? And they all go, oh, yeah, I was meant to do that, wasn't I? You know? and, 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 you know, and you can imagine the apostles would have been thinking, you can't do this, Jesus. Do you know who you are? Um, you know, and they might have been thinking, I, I actually know who you are. You can't do this. Guilt would probably have flooded them at that point in time. And, and, and some might have even thought, if only I had thought of this, Jesus might be saying, well done. I could have, you know, well done if I, if I had thought about it. But no, while they were so preoccupied with whatever they were preoccupied with, common hospitality was forgotten. And I wonder if some of them are saying, you're Jesus, you shouldn't be doing this. You're our leader. You're our leader. And by the time he gets around to Peter, you can, Peter's just feeling terrible. And, and, and Peter looks up disturbed and says to him, are, are you going to wash my feet? And, and Jesus replies to him, you don't know what I'm doing. 
because Peter's thinking in terms of the world. Jesus is thinking in terms of the kingdom because he says, I want the world to be the world on earth to be what the kingdom is in heaven. That's what I want you to experience and to know. Um, and, and, and Peter says, no way. You're not watching my feet. You're not. And Jesus says to him, well, unless I do it, you'll never enter my kingdom. Um, uh, and, and you can have no share in, with, of me. And then Peter turns around and says, well, then wash everything about me. And, and you can imagine Jesus going, oh, my goodness, don't you get it? I'm not talking, if you've already had a bath, you're clean. I'm talking about that. I'm talking about, and you can, you know. I've often read this scripture and thought, I think I'd be Peter. You know, I, think, I think I'm that thick that I wouldn't get it, you know. Jesus is making a statement about a new order. He's making a statement about something different, that there's a new way of seeing that's important in the kingdom. And, and he's saying to us in the scripture, this is how it's meant to be for you. You in the room and you who are watching all over the world in your place. And, the, and these principles in the kingdom are things like do the menial tasks that a servant does. You know, position doesn't count. Only your heart counts. They're kingdom principles. You don't hear that much in the world. Do the menial task that servant does. Position doesn't count. Only your heart counts. Jesus was saying, serve each other. Jesus was saying, lay down your life for each other. That's the way the new, that's the new order under God. Lay your life down. Matthew 20, verse 25, is a fabulous passage of scripture. We knew James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were these two hotheads who often argued. And one day their mum comes to Jesus and says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, you know, in the, in the kingdom of God, is it all right if one sat on your left side and one sat on your right side? Could they have those two special spots? You know, mums, you know what mums are like. Mums have their kids' best interests at heart, want good for their kids. And Jesus says, listen, they're not, they're not, they're not seats I can, for me to give away. That's, not, that's the father's job. And then when the other apostles hear, they get upset, they get indignant. And so Jesus calls them all together. And in verse 20, it says, but Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, the Gentiles were not the chosen people, not the Jewish people, lorded over them and their, and their great ones are tyrants over them. Have a look at it again. But Jesus called them to him and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, the rulers of the non-believers, lorded over them like kings and their great ones are tyrants, dictators. It'll not be so among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Verse 26. Let's look at verse 26. It will not be so among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. Now, in their day, a servant was someone, you might say, who was on wages. You paid servants. Right? That's how it was called. Whereas a slave was someone you owned. It was like chattel and you could sell a slave. But you had a servant that worked in your house and often servants were deeply loved. But a slave was someone you sold. Had no say. Look at it again now. It will not be so among you. Whoever wishes to be great among you must be, be your servant. 
And whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. A slave just listens to and is told and has no say over their life. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. He came to give his life as a ransom to many. You know, we don't wash people's feet today. Um, But we're still called to the same kind of servanthood. Carrying each other's bags. Greeting people with with intention. One of the things, if you've been around for a while here, you would have heard me talk about greet with intention. Greet with intention. Greet with intention means to honour the person that I meet. You arrive here, uh, you arrive here at, at our meetings. My prayer is that whenever you meet anyone, that you'd stand and look at them in the face and say hello. And if appropriate, you'd give them a hug or a kiss. That you would be intentional in your greeting. That it wouldn't be just hi. It wouldn't be just a nod. It would be intentional. Because when we're intentional, we express love as opposed to dismissal. Imagine if our churches were places when we turned up on Sunday and every one of us was greeted with intention. Uh, you know, I, and, and I heard a talk, I heard talks on this years ago. Whenever I meet my daughters or my son, I always stand and kiss them because I'm their father and I love them. Whenever I meet my staff, if they have been away on holidays or anything, I always stand and greet them to honour them. Imagine if the church was like that. Imagine if we were like that. Imagine for those of us gathered in the room that every time we came, we greeted like that. You'd be seen. How many people feel invisible and not seen? And some people don't want to stand out the front and be known. But what what would it be like? What would it say to the world? How alternative would it be if we just greeted with intention seeing the person that God has made? What would that be like? And for those of you who are hosts, you know, what would happen if it, it, you know, and I see you do it in in the impactors online all the time, you greet with intention. And I've seen so many of you greet and you don't get people greeting you back. And I want to say to you, still do exactly what you are. Hi. You know, it's me. And, you know, and where you're from. And greet people with vibrancy. And I see you do that because what you're doing, as many people say, what you are doing is you're building community online. And it's a different kind of community, isn't it? But it's the same community. What happens if we greet it with intention? Uh, what happens if we saw someone who had a need, we got up and got them a drink? What happens if we, if, if we, if we, we think of a, we see, we hear of someone who's a need, in need and we just go and give them money with no expectation of return? What happens if we just go and bless someone with a gift and say, how seen of you that I'm praying about you, here's, what would happen? Because that's kingdom. The scriptures talk like that. The world is, oh, that's yours, keep it to yourself. Or they don't deserve, they didn't work hard enough to get it for themselves. Imagine if you examined how you encouraged people with intention. Your service was your encouragement. Have you ever stopped and thought to yourself, I wonder who I could pick the phone up and call today and just say, hey, listen, thinking of you, just want you to know, I just admire you. I saw you do such and such the other day. I I saw you at the family Christmas the other day and I was so impressed by the way you were. 
Imagine if just out of the blue, you picked one of your sons or your daughters or your grandchildren or your husband or your wife or a friend, and you just called them to say, gee, I admire you. You change their life. I've done it many times. If anything, people just cry because no one tells us anything. But kingdom is meant to be different. The world, no, no, it's about yourself. It's about yourself. How you show respect is an act of servanthood. It's an act of servanthood. And we, this community of people, whether you're online or you're here, (laughs) how you serve, how you greet, how you encourage, and how you love will dictate how far you go because God will just block you along the way because the heart of the place is to serve. Uh, These are the way we wash people's feet today. We wash people's feet. It's a deliberate action. It is not accidental. It is deliberate. Jesus was saying to them, this is the kind of person that lives in the kingdom, a person who sees. In Mark 10, 45 says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to not to be served, but to serve. Do you think God deserves being served the most? But he says, I didn't come for that reason. Jesus calls us to this term that we do not use commonly, and it's this servanthood. We're called to be a servant. We're called to lay our lives down. Servanthood means putting others first and seeing other people as sons and daughters of God, even if they don't see themselves as that, even if they don't believe. The 15-year-old young little girl at the checkout in, 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 in the shops that you don't know is deserving of your respect. You're a Christian. They're deserving of your love. They're deserving of your encouragement. Because that's kingdom living and we're called to live in the kingdom. The next time you go to the shops, the next time, and you get served by someone if you don't go through it by yourself and get it wrong all the time, which is what I do. But if you go through someone, what happens if at the end of it you said, gee, you're really efficient with that. You did really good today. I love the way you packed the bag. Do you think you'd change them? And yet we don't because we're so selfish we just think in terms of the world. And we're conditioned into it. But kingdom is different. And if we are to be a people that touch the world, in whatever country we are right now, right right exactly where we are, whether you're in a giant city or you're in a very little village or you're in some rural place in some country on a continent far away, how you love will dictate and how you serve will dictate how the kingdom of God is experienced by people right then and there. It requires that you deny yourself, that you lay down your life, that others would walk on you in order that they would experience the freedom and life. It's about the laying down of our lives. It's saying you go first, you have your turn, and if I miss out, it's okay. It's okay. The world doesn't say that. The world says to us, well, what about your rights? The world currently has its wonderful saying, it's all about equality. We're all meant to have the same. The self-serving culture that we live in and that many of us have been just immersed in and we don't even know we're in it, says to us, indulge yourself. 
It says to us, fulfill your desires. It says, satiate your pleasures. It says, pursue your pleasure. And the scriptures said none of that. The scripture says none of that. In churches, you know, it can look at, what does that look like in church? It, can look, it looks like this. It's not caring that people would know who Jesus is. I meet many Catholics who have no passion at all that people would know Jesus. They just, they just, oh, well, people don't know Jesus. Oh, well, people don't go to church, don't know God. It's just, they're just completely, you know, passive about it. In church, what does is, what is self-centred culture look like? Self-centred culture in church is serving only when it suits you. When it's, when it's something that you want to do. Self-serving culture in churches is complaining about the sermon when you didn't get anything out of it, but someone else did. But you didn't get anything out of it. Um, self-serving culture in church is not being prepared to put the church before other things in our life. It, it is, it's not being prepared to engage with people. It's, it's the ability to, I'll fulfil my obligation, I'll turn up and I'll leave straight away and I will have no involvement in loving and being the presence of God to anybody else that was here. Christians become conditioned to be that way. Go to church, go to church this week and look around. Look around. Um, It's look after me, it's look after me and make it good for me. And so we, we ask the question, if I serve sometimes, will I miss out? But this is not who Jesus was. Jesus, it says, came to lay his life down. Jesus, who was God and pure and magnificent and holy beyond belief, was prepared to step away from his, from his lordship as God and step down and become a human being. Why? To serve us so that we could get to him because we didn't have any other way to get to him. To get to him. In Philippians 2, chapter, uh, to, uh, verse 3, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others that better than yourselves. Uh, isn't that amazing? But in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let, let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, he was God, did not re- regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself of what his Godhead, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Look at it again. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourself. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Jesus stepped away from his Godhead in order that we would know. He's the ultimate sign of servanthood. Jesus' whole purpose for, the, for coming into the world was for your and my benefit. It was for your and my benefit. Everyone else was first. Everyone else was first. 
The Father's will was paramount. In 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4, it says, there are different gifts, kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And what's this saying? It's saying that within the body, all of us have got different gifts. Some of you, I, I watch some of you online, some of you are clearly pastoral. Some of you have got leadership gifts. Some of you have got organisational gifts. You know, we've all got different gifts. When we bring all of the gifts together, we're the body. I, I record the daily devotionals, as everybody knows, and we record them 365 days a year. And, and, and occasionally, uh, if, if all of the staff are having a, a day away or a day off and all of the editors are not here, I, I have to normally record one extra to get ahead on those occasions that it happens. Well, yesterday I get a phone call from Justin, one of our editors, and he says to me, he says to me, have you, he said, have you recorded the extra daily devotion? I said, I don't know, I'm going to do that today. And he said, no, 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 remember everybody's off who's editing today. And I went, oh, yeah, I know. And I knew, you know how you know something and you mess it up? And I hadn't recorded it, but I was in a place where I couldn't come in. And, 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 I, said, and I said to him, Why? you know, and, and when we make the daily devotionals, I stare at the camera and there's all these lights. I have no clue how to use any of it. I know how to plug it. They've shown me how to plug it together, but that doesn't mean you know how to use it. And I can press a button, but that's just, anyone can do that. You know, that is my technological ability. And that's it. And then when it gets, then when it comes out onto these, computer things, they've got to edit it and make it. And then after it gets made, then they set it up in such a way, Scott's, Scott and our staff have set it up in such a way that it starts in the island of Samoa, which is on the international date line in the middle of the Pacific. And the daily devotional arrives at 4.30 in the morning. And then it goes from there to 4.30 around in countries all over the world, going all around the globe until it gets back 24 hours later to Samoa. So when everybody wakes at 4.30 in the morning, they have it in their inbox, if they get it that way. Now, this will surprise many of you. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do anything, except stand there and I seem to have the easy part of the stuff. I just have to say something, which seems pretty easy, compared to this hard stuff they all do. And so I mess up, and we can't get it recorded. And Justin says to me, we're all off. Everybody's off. And then he said, listen, I'll tell you what. If you can get it done, he says, I'll come in on the day off. I want to know something. People in countries all over the world will hear the daily devotional. And for some people, different days have different meaning to different people. And for some people, different things that are said, it's their moment to experience God. And when that goes live in the next few hours, it will be Justin who touched the lives of people around the world even though they'll see my face and they'll hear my voice, but it was Justin. See, the body of Christ is all of us bringing our gifts together. There are some of us who can cook. I miss that gift as well. There are some of us who are passionate about loving people. There are some of us who just have these gifts of empathy. To be honest with you, if you're going through a tough time, I'm not really who you want to come and see. Rosemary says. Because apparently I just look at people and go, really? 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 What are you crying for? Get over it. That's what Rosemary said. I don't think I do that. I think I'm very loving. 
You know? You don't want to come to me if you've got problems. It's not that I don't care. It's that I've just... But when, you know when you go to someone who really cares and they just have that ability to love you and it feels... And, and you feel heard and you feel hugged and you feel... That's a... I don't have that gift either. My point being is that when all of us do the various things that we can do, we matter. And we serve and we make the whole body. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. We're not all an outside piece. We're, We're just different pieces. And when we're all together, that's the body. That's kingdom. And and when you make your decision to not contribute your little piece, whether it is a smile at the door of a church, whether it is washing up ditches at the end of something that's on, you deny the body your gift. And, And the secret to it is servanthood. Servanthood is saying, I lie down in others in order that others can experience kingdom and be blessed. You know? Now, God determines, the scripture says, which gifts you get. If you're not someone who's, who particularly is gifted in the area of empathy, it doesn't matter how hard you try, it ain't coming. If you, you know, some of us are not gifted with good looks, I didn't get that either. And others are just blessed. Some of us can sing, and others of us can't, I didn't get that either. Matter of fact, we don't get most of it, but we get the one or two things that he gives us that says, this is your contribution to the world. This is kingdom. And when you do that, you flourish. The world says, well, it's got to be spectacular. It's got to be seen. It's got to be heard. It's got to be up front. But the kingdom doesn't say that. Read the scriptures. It says it's the small that is celebrated, the hidden that is celebrated. That's why one of our core values is we value the the hurt, the hidden, that which is not seen. Um, So so when one part of the body is hurting, we all hurt because we're all interconnected. When one part broken, we're all broken. It's God's way. In, In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it says, now you're the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. That's pretty blunt, isn't it? And you've all got a role. Jesus says to us, you know, this is where greatness is. Greatness is playing your role. Greatness is not being seen. It's not being seen. It's playing your role. Uh, uh, Now, I want to say this to us that are here and to some of us who are online. First, let me say this. There is a time to serve and there is a time in our lives to be served. There can be moments in our lives when, when, when we need to be served. You know, life is difficult, hard. We, we are engaged in things that take up our time. We may have little children and we're limited in what we can do. We may be hurt and sick in some way and we're limited in what we can do. There are times when we must be served. served. And it is our right and our duty and, and our obligation to step forward and allow ourselves to be served. That's kingdom. It is falsely humble, and it most certainly is not Christian maturity to say, I'm okay, you don't have to look after me. 
That's immaturity in the kingdom. The scripture tells us. The mature person says, I need serving now. And I'm open to being served. And that's very hard for people. But that's Christian maturity. I thought of maybe just giving an easy talk this evening, but I thought, well, this is the advanced group. You're all the advanced group, you know. Um, I, I want to challenge you today um, to give your life away. I want to challenge you today to give your life away. Be the one who opens the door for someone else. Be the, be the one who chooses the back seat so your friend can sit in the front seat. Take out the garbage even when it's not your turn. Um, volunteer to stack chairs in church. Um, to vacuum a floor even when you're not asked and you're not on the roster. Take the arm of someone who's elderly and help them. Uh, smile at the person who looks bored at the shops. Uh, talk to people at church. Um, pay for someone who seems stuck for money. I would encourage every human being on the planet to do this. Just walk into a restaurant and just as, some, and just as you walk up the counter, just turn to someone in the restaurant and say, can I pay for their bill? It changes your heart. Just pay for someone's bill that is undeserving, you don't know, and then leave so that you never know what happened. So that your heart is before God itself. In Mark chapter 9, verse 34, 5, he says this. He sat down, called the 12, and said to them, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. The kingdom of God is about upside living. And sometimes we think the world has got it wrong, but it, it's, it's the bit that's upside down. See, in the world, when a teenager gets a job at six o'clock in the morning working in some cafe or fast food place, um, people celebrate that because they go, Who, that kid's just trying to better themselves. Look at what they're doing. But if some Christian organisations should ask that same boy to get up at six o'clock to do some work for the Lord, they would say, that's expecting too much of that boy. The world says if a woman spends eight hours away from her home working in a factory or an office, uh, she's called helpful, she's called an energetic woman. But, who, but, but if, however, she's willing to do the same for the Lord, people say, your religion's gone to your head. In the world, if, if one ties himself down to making payments of two or three or four or five dollars each week to, to buy some personal item that is important to them that they're willing to pay, but that same person, if they place the same amount of money on the collection plate um, each week, many people would say they're crazy. In the world, if someone goes to a party, they're called friends, but if, but if the, they put that much effort into the church and came as often to church as they do to parties, they're called fanatical and over the top. The world has it differently. Jesus clearly came into the world to say that's the way it was. I'm declaring a new kingdom and it's this way. And the doorway to that is servanthood. Servanthood to lay down your life. And so here's five things as we end. Five things you can do. Number one, make church a priority. Now, for many of you who are talking, you go to church all the time. What do I mean by that? I'm not talking about going. 
I'm talking about if church is a priority in our life, you allow it to change you. And if you allow it to change you, you will not be help, you will not help but become a servant. A servant. Um, my family have known for many years, where, and my, my extended family, my brothers, everybody knows uh, in my family for years. Um, Sunday mornings, I go to church. And you can have a party. You can ha- do whatever you like. And if you put it on when I'm going to church, I'm not coming. And so if you, it doesn't matter if the whole family hasn't gotten together for 10 years. I'm not coming because they know. And, my, and, and, and the reason I'm committed to it is because for many people who come here now and many of you are listening, this is the only spiritual thing at this point in your life you do. And if we weren't here right now, there's nothing in the whole week. Many people say to me, there's nothing else. So we can't miss. People say to me, why do you meet 52 weeks of the year without fail? Because we can't miss. We can't miss. Make church a priority that, in, in such a way that you love people and serve them. The second thing I would say to you is serve on a roster. Serve on a roster in whatever church or ministry you're in, wherever you are around the world. Serve. Whatever that might look like in your environment, serve. The third thing is, is this. Learn a new skill. Learn to do something that you've never done before. I'll stand at the door and I'll say hello to people. I was in a church in, a, in another place and the, the pastor of this place the, 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 said to me, I want you to go outside and I want you to come next week and I want to see from your car you can get inside without at least five people uh, you know, less than five people saying hello to you. So I thought, all right, I can do that. Parked my car in the car park. There were people everywhere. And as you walk by, I said, hello, how are you going? Is this your first time? How are you going? Hello, I saw you last week. Hi, what's your, what's your, my name's John. What's your name? Want to know something? Imagine if you went to church and it was like that. Imagine if people celebrated your coming. Imagine if you were missed. I mean, church is the, the community of our lives, the number one. And it will only become that if we make it that. The priest who said to me today, will you come to my parish and will you help me? I said to him, well, matter of fact, this evening I'm giving a talk on servanthood. And I'll send it to you. And, and, if, and, and I'll help you do those things in your parish. And, and the final thing is, uh, no, uh, number four is, make every team you serve with a community. So if later on tonight you decide, I'm going to be on dishes wherever you are if you're there. I'm going to be on cleanup. I'm going to be on looking after the kids. I'm going to be in the music ministry. I'm going to be whatever it is. Make it a community. Make it a God-centred place in there. And finally, don't look at what others are doing. If Jesus had looked at what everybody else was doing, would he have got up and washed their feet that night? Look at what Jesus has revealed in your heart and do that. We'll change the world if the Christians will be Christian. We'll change the world. Now, maybe you're listening wherever you are, maybe you're here, and you think to yourself, I'm not ready yet. 
then I would say to you, serve when you can. And don't serve any further or earlier than you feel you must. But to those of you who hear the voice of God right now in your heart, in that little place, that conscience of yours right now, you hear it saying, I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Listen and respond. And my final thought is this. Some years ago, I wanted God to do something for me. I was restless. I wanted, I wanted to go and, and do something. And, and then when I prayed, I prayed and prayed and prayed. And then one day, I felt like God say this to me. Bruce, you want something different. But you haven't become and you are not doing what I've already asked you to do. And there's no next step until you've done what I've asked. And you will stay there for as many years as it takes until you do what I asked. And then, and then you can step. Maybe God's saying something to you. I mean, there's about to be a huge storm in a minute. Maybe God is saying something to you. And so to wherever you are around the world, whatever your version of this is in your parish, in your group, in impactors, do what he's asking you because for some of you, you're restless. But the reason there's no next step is you haven't done what he's put in front of you. And now my real final, have I already said final? Let me say another final. It's this. Um, some of you are listening today and some of you came here today and you came because God wanted to say something to you. Before time began, before God made everything, he knew you'd be here tonight and he knew you'd hear this. And now you can't unhear it. Respond. Respond to what he's saying to you. Loving Father, we come before you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord God, you call us to servanthood and because servanthood is kingdom living, it's the other way. It's where things are done, alternate, back to front. But it, that's where power is. That's where healing is. That's where freedom is. And Lord, as the thunder begins to go off around us right here where we are, may your presence fall upon us right now. And Father, we ask this in Jesus' name through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, to all of you watching right now, I want to ask you and to everybody that's here, if you will support us in sharing the gospel with people all over the world. The only reason that you are hearing this right now is because people have come together and they've put their resources together in order that the gospel could go out in this way. Now, we know Lent is in a couple of weeks' time, and for most of the people that are watching, many of you connected with us through Lent. And what we did was some of us put our money together and we advertised so that you would find us. And starting in the next few days, we will start advertising to people around the world to join us for Lent 2024. We have discovered that for $7, we can reach one person to receive the daily devotionals. And so I want to encourage you, if you would contribute right now, not to me, but so that another person would know Jesus. And I would say this to you, if you're a parent like I am, if you want your children or grandchildren to know Christ, I can't guarantee you through what we do 
that they will come to Christ. But I would say this to you. Sow into the vision of your heart that the kingdom of God would go out, that in some other place, in some other ministry, in some other church around the world, that maybe right now there would be people sowing and by giving in such a way that your son, your daughter, who maybe is far from God, or your husband or your wife or your family or friends, that they would come to know Christ. We're part of the body of Christ. And so give to the body. Don't give to me. Give to the body. And finally, I'd say this to you. The Bible is very clear. It says God loves a cheerful giver. If for some reason you think that I'm just raising money, if you think that I'm just wanting it for myself, don't give. Don't be disobedient to Scripture. Scripture says only give if you're happy to. And so if you're not happy to, don't. And God will look after us and he'll look after all those he seeks to reach. You can give in the... uh, on the address on the screen, I nearly forgot then, or in the gift tab, or you can pass the buckets in a minute here and we'll ask the Lord to bless us where we are. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you that as we give, Lord God, we pray that another person would come closer to you. And Lord, the scripture tells us that we actually serve through our giving. May our service through our giving, Lord God, bring another person to love you, know you, and be changed by you. And Father, we make this prayer in Jesus' name through the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, to everybody who's watching, wherever you are, it's great to be here. I think where we are, we're about to have a giant storm. I don't know if you've been able to hear the thunder. Hey, I pray that God would thunder in your heart in these next few days. I look forward to seeing you next time. And don't forget, wherever you are, God is never far from you.